Over the past 18 months, the world has changed more than anyone could have predicted. COVID-19 brought life to a standstill, shutting businesses, schools, offices and shopping malls and confining millions to their homes for long periods of time. While many saw their incomes dwindle or lost their jobs altogether, others boosted their savings as movement restrictions prevented them from spending. Now, as the world slowly emerges from the pandemic, we have all benefited in some way from the extra time the pandemic gave us. Our busy lives stopped almost overnight and we were given a unique opportunity to reflect, which extended to how we spend our money. So what has the pandemic taught us about our personal finances? And what can we do going forward to ensure we have a better relationship with money? Welcome to Pocketful of Dirhams. I'm Alice Hayne, and joining me today is Felicity Glover, my co-host and The National's personal finance editor. Before we start, make sure to subscribe to Pocketful of Dirhams to receive the latest episodes. Welcome to the show, Felicity. Thanks, Alice. It's great to be talking with you again. Now, the past 18 months have been quite interesting for us, Felicity, because to give our listeners some background, I was working in Abu Dhabi as the personal finance editor and decided to relocate to the UK to join the Nationals London Bureau. And this meant I actually handed over to you in the middle of the pandemic and we never got to meet in person during the whole handover period. And that was pretty much an example of what everybody was going through at the time. And, you know, there's so many conversations to have about the personal finance world. You know, the pandemic has been a really key time because on the one hand, we've seen job losses and rising unemployment. And on the other, we've seen pent up savings and people with lots of money to splash out when all the restrictions get eased. So what's the key trend that you've noticed? I think, I mean, in the beginning, it was definitely about how our finances would be affected by the pandemic. And certainly millions of people were and still are very badly impacted. But I think government stimulus packages helped to offset that to a degree. But if you look at it, you know, we're nearly 18 months into the pandemic now. And I think one of the biggest trends we're seeing is the gamification of trading thanks to low-cost trading apps like Robinhood. You know, people are jumping in on the meme stocks and cryptocurrencies. They're all cashed up nervous traders who are bored at home during movement restrictions. And, you know, in the UAE alone, you know, we now have robo-advisor Sawa, for example, also um, the trading app Baraka, as well as investment type apps uh, to invest in ETFs such as Stashaway. And these apps have democratized trading and investing and are giving people budget-friendly options to make their money grow rather than those, you know, really complicated high commission financial products that many of us have been missold. So there's been a switch to people investing on their own and and using it through some new routes that perhaps weren't there before. We've all benefited from the digitalization acceleration that the pandemic induced. But what about how people reacted to the crisis? I mean, a lot of measures were put in place by the banks there and by leading organizations to protect people. How do people cope? I think it's been a mixed reaction here in the UAE, and it it all depends on your circumstances. You know, people who are in jobs that allowed them to continue working from home were obviously more fortunate, even though, you know, many did have their salaries reduced, but at least they were still getting a, a salary. Others, you know, who were working in jobs that required their physical presence in the workplace think, you know, F&B and hospitality employees, they were badly affected, particularly if they were in debt before the pandemic began. I think the UAE's 
the UAE Central Bank's targeted economic support scheme, which was launched to help consumers with, you know, offering three-month payment holidays, um, has helped, you know, and many people have taken advantage of that. But when you think about, you know, how long the pandemic has dragged on, three months is not actually a very long time. And what I'm noticing is that a lot of people are continuing to struggle with their debts, even today, as their full salaries, for example, have not been reinstated as companies continue to recover. That brings us on to the debt panel. And we've we've both been involved in the Nationals Debt Panel over the years. I mean, what types of letters are coming in? You're saying that people are struggling. Are they struggling more with their debt? Have some people learned some lessons or their new types of debt or people perhaps in debt for the first time? What, What are the trends that you're noticing? People are definitely learning financial lessons during the crisis, but I have to say that the letters we're receiving now for the debt panel are mostly about the financial fallout of the pandemic. And that's anything, you know, from having their salaries reduced, they're unable to pay debts, they're considering bankruptcy, uh, what to do when they, you know, they're losing their, they've lost because they've lost their job or their business, and uh, and even people being stuck in their home countries and are unable to return uh, to their jobs in the UAE. It's quite heartbreaking. Um, Some readers have called me in tears because they're so scared of the situation that they're in. They're struggling to support their families, pay their loans and credit cards, and they're relying on cash handouts from friends and family to buy food and keep a roof over their head. You know, some have even moved in with other members of their family or camping out in a spare room and, you know, things like that. I think it's also important to add here that a lot of people are not in debt because they're shopaholics and can't control their spending. In many cases, people do borrow money or use their credit cards to help their loved ones, such as paying for surgery for a parent or a brother or a sister, or to buy a house for their family back home, or they've lost their life savings because of, you know, they've been scammed or couldn't keep their businesses going. There's a lot of reasons why people are in debt. But all the while, you know, while all of this is going on, debt collection agents are continuing to harass them. So it's a really extremely stressful time for people. And that's why they need our help and empathy. They've lost so much. And that's because, you know, nobody ever imagined that something something like this could ever happen. Whole economies shut down, movement restrictions, travel bans. And what many have in common is not having that all-important cash buffer to fall back on. Which brings me on to a key question then. We're all starting to look back, aren't we, Felicity? We're starting to think, what what have we learned from this process? I know that I, I made a huge lifestyle change in the middle of a pandemic and I've looked back and thinking, am I, was I crazy? What was I doing? Um, but at the same time, I did it, I survived, I coped. But do you think people have finally realised the benefit of having an emergency fund? You're saying more people are in crisis, more people are in debt, they might have lost their jobs, et cetera. Is this finally the kind of the, the, the point that people realise I've got to have an emergency fund set up because emergencies really do happen. Yeah, definitely. I think that's one of the most important lessons that people are learning. Even people who are not currently in a, in a position right now, perhaps to start working on that cash buffer, but they do understand just how important it is to have that safety net. What about saving? I mean, are people becoming better savers? They've learned the hard way. They might have got a new job now. And now they're like, well, actually, I'm going to commit a certain percentage every month. Do you, have you noticed that at all? Definitely. In the beginning, when movement restrictions and travel bans were introduced, people didn't really have any choice, if you know what I mean. But the longer they were working from home, the less money they were spending. 
Um, and so they were, you know, saving by default. I'd like to think that definitely this has inspired them to, to start setting savings and investment goals and get serious about their financial futures. But what's interesting is the UAE Central Bank put out its uh, savings figures uh, earlier this year, and it shows that people are definitely saving more in the UAE. So in the four months to April this year, for example, savings in accounts swelled by a total of 9.77 billion dirham, which brings total funds in savings accounts to a total of 199 billion dirham. That's a lot of savings. So people clearly understand the importance of, um, you know, putting their money away, growing it, you know, investing it uh, and all those sorts of things. So, you know, but what I do hope is that this trend continues even when the pandemic ends. And that they don't fritter it away. But then investing is another interesting trend, I suppose, because the, the markets crashed in February and March last year when the pandemic started. It, you know, it was quite a dramatic thing to watch. And then it rebounded and it's remained pretty resilient since. Do you think that people, you know, as well as saving more if, if they were able to, do you think it's taught some people some valuable lessons about staying invested for the long term rather than dipping in and out? If you if you left your money in during that crisis in in March last year, it, you would have still seen it grow uh, by just by holding on to your investments rather than panicking and selling. Absolutely, and here's what's interesting about last year's market crash back in when was it? It was March, wasn't it? If you compare that to the financial crisis in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. I remember reading a study last year that said people had learned from the global financial crisis and that panic selling was the worst thing that they could do. So they've held on to their shares this time around. They have learned their lessons. They do understand that, you know, what goes down has to come up. And so I think that that partly explains, you know, why markets have remained quite resilient since, you know, last year's crash. But it's also, you know, because of this massive influx of day traders, you know, because of those low-cost trading apps that, uh, you know, have, have allowed people to start trading and investing, uh, just like, you know, wealthy people do. They don't need financial manager or advisors anymore. Though it can be a bit dangerous if you get it horribly wrong. But I mean, I suppose also another lesson is diversification. I mean, it, it was a very good time to have a diversified portfolio. Travel stocks plummeted, for example, because of all the travel curbs and planes grounded, while property prices in some parts of the world, such as the UK, soared. You know, it kind of went in reverse of what was going on in the wider economy. So there was no way you could necessarily predict what was going to do well and what wasn't because the situation was changing on a day-by-day basis. So it really highlighted how important it was to diversify your assets. Definitely. And economic crisis or not, financial advisors would always tell you that portfolio diversification is always important, as well as looking at rebalancing your portfolio at least once a year. But the pandemic-induced turbulence has made people more aware of the importance of this to protect their assets and investments. I mean, one-minute gold, which is always a hot safe haven during economic downturns, is up. Then the next, you know, it's down, like flash crash. Um, we're also looking down the barrel of inflation, for example. Some stocks are volatile, continue to be volatile. And, of course, interest rates um, are, you know, at record lows. There's so many different factors that we have to consider at the moment, um, even this far into the pandemic, that diversification is the only way to overcome this. And also having that long-term outlook on your investments as well. 
What about the way people earn their money? I've noticed a big shift. A lot of people have switched careers. Perhaps they had no choice. They lost their job and they had to find a, a new way to earn their money, or perhaps they're happier to work from home. You know, there's been a big shift. A lot of people actually like working from home. They have a better life balance. What lessons do you think we've learned about how we work to secure an income? There's a lot of lessons. And this this is a huge topic, you know, that's trending globally at the moment. The, The pandemic has changed people and the views and how they view about working and how they work particularly the ones who embraced, you know, that better life-work balance when working from home. But also, I mean, there's a lot of people who don't enjoy working from home. So, you know, they're wanting, you know, to go back into the office full-time. I'm sure that you've heard about the great resignation. I mean, that's the that's the big thing that's happening um, at the moment. Countries around the world are seeing people choosing to quit their jobs rather than go back to the office or they're planning to quit them. They're looking, actively looking for remote, full-time remote jobs. Um, You know, this is because there's a disconnect or they feel that there's a disconnect between employees and their management in terms of returning to the office and what's expected of them. Um, So, you know, it's about taking control of their lives and how they work, but also accepting that they're okay to um, be paid less if this is the, the type of life work life that they want to that they want to have. We're also seeing a lot of side hustles as well, you know, with more people working from home and not commuting. That means that they've got more time in the day to either relax or work on other paid projects or even their own startups. I think going forward there's a chance that um, traditional bricks and mortar workplaces could become obsolete. Can I dare say that? I mean, will companies be willing to pay high rents for massive spaces when only a certain percentage of their workforce is coming into the office at any one time. I think it's an interesting scenario um, and definitely one that I'm keeping an eye on. Absolutely. Another trend I've noticed is that people are using their time to sort out their lives. I mean, they've used the time to sort out their homes, perhaps declutter, simplify and sort out how they live their life, perhaps because they're not going to work. Um, And removing from clutter from your life in general can be very beneficial, both in terms of physical space, but it's also great for your mental health. But I feel that quite a lot of people have got to grips with their personal finances as well. Quite a lot of people speak to me and say, oh, I've used the time and I've set up this uh, retirement fund or I've done this or I've changed the way I invest. Is that something that you've seen, that people have actually taken that time that they might normally spend commuting or working if they've lost their job, and they've actually got to grips with their personal finances. Yes, that's something that I'm I'm seeing. I mean, there's been a lot of challenges that we've all faced over the past year, and a lot of our mental health has suffered. And you could say that decluttering our homes and sorting out our finances is a way to help us feel more in control of our lives, which, you know, have literally been upended since the pandemic began. There's been a lot of research and surveys done about the ways we now spend and approach our finances now. And I think many people have realised just how important it is to not have, you know, those expensive debts and to have those, you know, to have a financial safety net to protect them from black swan events like this pandemic. And I think that that's, you know, it helps us with our peace of mind as well. Most certainly does. I have to say I've done a lot of decluttering over the last 18 months, mainly because I moved country, but it meant that I arrived here with a lot less than I had in the UAE, which was which was useful when you're shifting around the world. 
But I have to ask you, Felicity, what about your personal lessons? What have you learned from the pandemic? Well, I think, I mean, I was one of the lucky ones who could save money during the pandemic. But I've also learned a lot from our readers and their financial problems over the past year and a half or so, losing jobs, struggling with debt. This could happen to anybody. So, you know, that's one of the lessons that I've learned. It could happen to me. Um, So one of my lessons was to always ensure that I, I do have a financial safety net to fall back on. And I've also learned that I have developed a serious aversion to debt these days. And as far, you know, as much as I can, I'm going to do everything possible to avoid that. What about you, Alice? What have you learned? I've learned to enjoy my money more. I have to say that I've made a bit of a shift because, you know, when I lived in the UAE, I I was so obsessed with saving, 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 saving for this great future, this, you know, retirement, all these things I was going to do in the future. And now that I've made the big shift and I've moved back to the UK, I'm actually kind of living the future that I'd talked about for so long. And I've realized that I didn't, I was so focused on saving all the time that sometimes I didn't fully appreciate uh, and enjoy my money. But at the same time, I look back and I can see, you know, you get all these Facebook memory memories popping up on your phone and I can see all the things that I did there. And I realized that in, in actual fact, although I thought I saved very, very hard, I could have saved even harder, but I'm glad I didn't because I had so many amazing experiences and I got to to travel, you know, around the region. And and as well as that, it's kind of also made me realise the value of travel. You know, we've all been stuck. We haven't been able to move around. People haven't been able to go home. But not even that, you you can't necessarily jump on plane with an ease. And so I've really learned to kind of just put value into seeing new things. And my holiday this year was within the UK because it's very hard to travel outside at the moment. But I really enjoyed that experience, just seeing a slightly different environment. So I think for me, it's about, you know, save, think about your future, have that emergency fund, but do enjoy your money because you don't know what's around the corner. And, you know, good memories are also valuable. Absolutely. I think, I mean, one of the things that I would always say is that experiences are priceless, particularly when you're sharing it with friends and family that you haven't seen for, you know, a long time, especially now. Yes, still trying to meet up with everyone. It's been very hard to see people since I re-entered the country almost a year ago. But I think to wrap up, Felicity, what do you think the top three lessons are that we've all learned from the crisis? What have we all gained? So I think the most important, this is always the number one, always have that cash buffer of three to six months salary, ideally more if you can manage it. I mean, 12 months if possible, but uh, keep working towards it. Avoid financial fragility and stay on top of your debts, particularly your credit card. Always pay it off in full every month. Again, you just never know when you you could lose your job or something and then you can't pay your credit card bill. Third one would be um, don't panic sell if stock markets drop. Remember, you're here for the long game and the market will rise again and don't take risks. Very sound advice. Thank you very much, Felicity. Thank you, Alice. It's been great. If you would like advice on your personal finance issues, you can write to us on pf.thenational.ae. And remember that PF stands for personal finance. Please do subscribe to the podcast in your podcasting app to receive weekly updates and leave us a review so we know what you think. This episode was produced by Arthur Edison. I've been your host, Alice Hayne.